And we can all justify the mask we wear. It's easy to want to mask our struggles, our hurts, our realities. And yet, as we look into God's Word, He's constantly calling us to just get real. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. I never thought I'd preach a sermon series on masks until we experienced the last year, year and a half that we've walked through. And of course, we're not dealing with just medical masks and the desire to peel those off. We're talking about the masks that humans have struggled with from the very beginning of time. And we can all justify the mask we wear. It's easy to want to mask our struggles, our hurts, our realities. And yet, as we look into God's Word, He's constantly calling us to just get real. And that's the purpose of this series, is that we might get real with one another, but more importantly, even real with God. Today, I want to tackle a mask that we struggle with, and it's the mask we wear in front of God. It's the mask of experiencing life's disappointments. We've all been down in the dumps, like you see on the screen. We've all had disappointments and disappointing days and disappointing situations. But what happens during the disappointment and what we do with that either allows us to grow deeper with God or it could lead us further from God. One word that relates to today's culture and the world we live in is the word disappointment. Everywhere you look, people are more disappointed than ever before. Disappointed in their government, disappointed in the CDC, disappointed in this, disappointed in that. And it carries all the way even into the church. For example, if I told you that today's sermon was going to go much longer than normal, would we find disappointment in the church? Oh yeah, fake it until you make it. That's good. I love it. It's hilarious. In the first service, we had a glitch with the PowerPoint, and it brought up the slide that we had for the last year that said, you must wear a mask. I'm like, please take that down. That's totally against what I'm preaching this morning. And what we have to understand is while we may have needed to wear a mask because of a virus, what we need to make sure is that the virus of sin doesn't cause us to remain in our masks that we wear with each other and the masks that we wear before God. You see, the enemy of your soul doesn't want you to be real. He wants to bring you artificial life. He promises you these things that look like real joy and real happiness, and yet it's artificial turf. He tries to use disappointments to destroy and to rob you, to bring doubt and disillusionment. The word disillusion means a feeling of disappointment resulting from the discovery that something is not as good as one once believed. Often through your life, there will be disappointments that come, and the enemy of your soul will do everything he can to take that disappointment to create doubt and then disillusionment, to try to get you to believe that God is the bad guy, that God doesn't love you, that God isn't taking care of you, and God won't meet your needs. And every person in this room, including the one preaching this message, will wrestle with those disappointments and also with those doubts. Famous preacher of days gone by, Adrian Rogers, once said this. He said, don't doubt in the dark what God has showed you in the light. In other words, what he was saying is dark times will confuse you. In dark times, it's very difficult to see. But don't let the darkness rob you of what God has declared in the light. Anchor your soul and anchor your joy and anchor your person in the light. Jesus told us, we would have many disappointments. 
If you have your Bibles, go over to John chapter 16 and verse 33. John chapter 16 and verse 33. Jesus warned us. He said, get ready. You're living on this planet. You're going to get disappointed. Look at verse 33. These things have I spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Clearly, Jesus said, you're going to have disappointments. But there are some great truths that I want to amplify out of this verse. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put John 16, 33 back up on the screen, but it's in the amplified version. Look at the screen and follow along. I have told you these things so that in me you may have a perfect peace. In this world, which is where we all live, you will have tribulation, distresses, sufferings. But be courageous and be confident. Be undaunted and be filled with joy, for I have overcome the world. As we look in on the truths of the light of what Jesus declared, he said, you will have tough times. But it doesn't mean that those tough times have to bring destruction, doubt, or disillusionment. Instead, he says, you can find peace. How do we find peace in our disappointments? Well, he says, we must be courageous. We must be anchored in what God has declared to be true, not what our circumstances are saying to us. We need to be confident that he is who he said he is and he will do what he said he would do. We need to be undaunted and we need to be filled with joy. And to experience that and to do that, the first thing you have to do is remove the mask. A mask that we put on before God and act like, I'm okay, and yet inside we're really not okay. I'm going to take you through an example in Scripture of somebody who experienced the joy of knowing God and serving God, who had great mountaintop experiences but also had great disappointments. His name, John the Baptist. Now, you have the Apostle John who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, Revelation. But John the Baptist was one who was to be the forerunner of Messiah, prophesied that there would be one who would prepare the way of the Lord. He was the last prophet in the Bible who spoke about the coming Messiah. He was a preacher who baptized people and and called them out to denounce and repent of their sins. Jesus Christ was also John's cousin. They were blood relatives, and yet he had this higher calling on his life. His parents, his daddy, was a priest in the temple. His mom, his mom's name was Elizabeth, and they were dealing with great disappointment. What was their disappointment? Elizabeth was barren. She had desired to have a child, and she saw all of her friends and all the ladies of the community continuing to uh, experience the joy of their children, and yet she was barren. They would cry out to God, and they would experience great disappointment through that. Now they were older in age, way past the ability probably to bear a child. And yet we wake up in Luke chapter 1, verse 8, and watch how God worked in their disappointment. Luke chapter 1, verse 8. Now it happened that while he was performing, this is Zechariah, while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. He was given the privilege of uh, going into the Holy of Holies, if you will. He was uh, ministering on behalf of the people, and yet he had great disappointment in his life. 
In his disappointment, he continued to honor the Lord, he continued to serve the Lord, and he continued to take his hurt to God. He was real with the Lord and real about what was happening, and yet he continued on in his service. Verse 10, the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside the hour of the incense offering, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice over his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Isn't that what every parent wants to hear? Not only that I'm going to be blessed by God with this child, but that this child is going to do great things. He will be famous in all the land. What a great, joyful moment. Verse 16, he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. No, 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 wait, my son, Elijah, the greatest of all the prophets, Elijah, the great mighty man of God, my son is going to be in the spirit of Elijah. Thank you, Jesus. What a glorious moment. Isn't it easy to get excited about God when things are going your way? What about when you were praying all those prayers of hurt? What about when you were in those dark moments? Do we respond the same then as we do on the mountaintop? Drop down to verse 76. The Lord fills Zechariah and his father prophesies over his son. He says, and you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord, the Messiah, to prepare his way, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. As he's prophesying over his son, as the Holy Spirit is revealing truth about John's assignment and John's calling, he said, you will prepare the way of the Lord and the way of the people's hearts. You will preach the message of repentance, and you will be used of the Father to draw people to the forgiveness of their sins. Notice what he didn't say. You're going to lead people deeper into a religious commitment. You're going to, you're going to lead people to start a new religion on the planet. No, it wasn't about religion. It was about forgiveness of their sins. And the forgiveness of our sins is tied back to the forerunner message to the one he was pointing people to. You see, the forgiveness of our sins doesn't come through religion. I'm glad you showed up for church today, but that doesn't fix it. I pray that somebody, and many of you might join even the church this morning, but joining a church doesn't fix it. Only one, Jesus, can fix it. And John the Baptist was declaring that message and that truth in the wilderness. Verse 78, he goes on to prophesy, Because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise, the Messiah, that is, from on high will dawn and visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. My son will declare, this is what Zechariah is prophesying, my son will declare light to those who are cloaked in darkness. What's dark? Here's what's dark. We've all sinned. Here's what's dark. Our sin separates us from the holiness of God. That's what God's light, the, word of his, the light of his word is declared. And yet, God so loved you and so loved me, he sent Messiah, someone who would remove the cloak of darkness, who would be light of this world, and would set all things new. Verse 80 says that the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit. And he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel as John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah. So we look in on John's story, all is good and glorious. He has favor with God. He has a great calling, the call of God. And he lives out that calling in a life of obedience. Go over to Matthew now. 
Go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 1. John now begins his earthly ministry. It's now time. The time has come. Jesus' Messiah is about to begin his earthly ministry. And before he begins that, we must have John's calling. In those days, John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the wilderness of Judea along the western side of the Dead Sea. He was declaring, repent. In other words, change your inner self, your old way of thinking. There must be regret for your past sins and live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the one who was mentioned by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the road for the Lord and make his highways straight. Verse 5. It was at that time that Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the districts around the Jordan. They were being baptized by him in the Jordan River and they confessed their sins. So we look in on this story. John lives out his calling. He doesn't run from it. He doesn't stiff arm it. He is being obedient and he is declaring the way of the Lord. He is preaching the message of repentance. Now, most people don't want to hear that. But if you look here, when you live in the call of God and the favor of God, you'll experience the blessing of God. It says all of Jerusalem, Judea, and everyone in that district was coming out to John. Notice what they were leaving. Jerusalem's the holy city. Jerusalem is the capital of their religious expression. That was the hub of their religion. But notice, they couldn't find it in the dead, dry religion of Jerusalem, Judea, or anywhere else. They only found it in the real message of truth being preached by John. And everyone was coming out to hear the truth. Flip over to John, John chapter 3. We're going to flip around in the Gospels and get different highlights of this progression of God working through John. And when you get to John chapter 3, verse 22, look at what it says. Crowds and crowds of people were coming out. They're repenting. And there's revival spreading. And, and the talk of the town is this locust-eating dude in camel fur named John the Baptist. He was a freak show. And the power of God was on him. And everybody was found at church with John. We get to verse 22, and it was after these things that Jesus' disciples came into the land of Judea. There he was, spending time with them and baptizing. In verse 22, it says, after these things. Well, what were those things? Well, it's John chapter 3. If you go up just six verses, you find John 3, 16. It was these things that Jesus was discussing with Nicodemus. Now, remember who Nicodemus is. We've talked about him a lot. He was a teacher, like me, of the Scriptures to the Jews. He was well-trained, well-versed, probably knew more, especially of the Old Testament than even I do. He was well-versed in the understanding of God's Word. He just didn't have a heart knowledge of God, and he was searching. This good man, this good teacher, this religious guy, still had a hole in his heart. And it doesn't matter if you've grown up in church or if you're just now starting to come underneath the gospel and attend in church now. We all have that hole in our heart. That hole that was created by God to know him, that's the spirit of man, but the spirit that was dead because of sin. And Jesus had to explain. These things he was talking about, these things were, how can you have peace, Nicodemus? And Jesus told him, you must be born a second time. 
As he led Nicodemus to that understanding that you don't find it in religion, you don't find it in your goodness, it is a birth issue. You must, just like you were physically born, you must be spiritually born. Nicodemus couldn't understand all that, but Jesus explained it. It's a spiritual birth. It happens when you trust Messiah, when you confess your sin, when you know that God so loved you that he sent his only son for you, not to judge you, but to give you life. Nicodemus, you must be born again. It was after Jesus taught those things that he then moved into the land of Judea and spent his time there baptizing. Verse 23. John also was baptizing near Salem because there was an abundance of water there and people were coming and being baptized. For John had not yet been thrown into prison. Whoops, hang on there. That's kind of a weird statement, isn't it? All these things that are being depicted about John the Baptist, all the things that are going well, and then all of a sudden, verse 24, all of a sudden he says, but remember, up to this point, John has not yet been thrown into prison. That life experience, that disappointment, is going to become very real for John the Baptist, and it's going to become very real for you in just a moment as well. Drop down to verse 25. Then a matter of dispute developed on the part of John's disciples. They came, as you go on to read, they would come to John. They were his followers. They were his uh, mentees, if you will. He was mentoring them, and he was teaching them, and they were his disciples. And at this point, they had been the stars of the town. Everybody was coming out to their church. They were the first mega church of the wilderness, and everybody was excited. But all of a sudden, a new church opened up. One of those new churches right over there, Jesus and his disciples now were also baptizing, and they saw it as competition. They went to John and said, John, we got a problem. Our church is declining. We're losing market share. And they're all going over there to that guy. And John, who used to see great crowds and great baptisms, now seeing people go in another direction, for most that would be very disappointing. But not when you're anchored in the Lord's calling. You go on to read what John would say. Look at verse 27. He replied, A person cannot receive one thing unless it's been given to him from heaven. In other words, he was saying, guys, that's a God thing. That wouldn't be happening if God wasn't blessing. And he goes on to remind them, hey, listen, remember this. You yourselves are my witnesses. I'm not the Christ. I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom, but the friend of the grooms who stands and listens to him rejoices greatly because of the groom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase but I must decrease. You see, the reason this wasn't a disappointment for John is because John understood it isn't about me. It's all about him. It always has been and it always will be. Let me tell you when life gets real disappointing. You want to know when life gets real disappointing? When you increase. When it's all about you. When it's all about what you want or what you think you should have or why this isn't fair, or why that didn't happen for me, but it happened for somebody else. And all of a sudden, it becomes about us. Life will always be disappointing. But when you live a life centered in the light, like John was, even when 
A disappointment comes, it's not disappointing. When you have the right perspective, disappointment can't create doubt or disillusionment. It only deepens your theology. Tough times are coming. Up to this point, everything's been smooth for John, but tough times are coming. You see, John, in his obedience, also was calling out the king of the land, Herod. He was condemning Herod because Herod had married his brother's wife and living in sin, and he called him out on it, and he called him out publicly, and Herod hated him for it. Herod had him imprisoned. Take a look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Here comes another disappointment. Matthew 11, verse 2. Now, while in prison, John heard about the works of Christ, and he sent word by his disciples, and he said to Jesus, Are you the coming one? Or are we to look for someone else? In these two verses, John does something that we need to do as well. As you look in, this is a difficult time for John. John who's been obedient, John who's lived on the mountaintop, John who's seen revival, John who's seen great favor, is now in a very disappointing circumstance. He's been imprisoned. And he knows that apart from a miracle of Jesus stepping in, he's going to lose his life in a matter of days. He's disappointed. Remember what I told you disappointment can do? Earlier he was disappointed. All the crowd was going to Jesus. Everything was good there. But somehow in this disappointment, things began to turn. All of a sudden he began to doubt Jesus. All of a sudden his disappointment, Lord, why am I in prison? Lord, I've been doing everything right. Why is this wrong happening to me? You ever been there? You ever felt like God wasn't fair or God didn't care or God didn't notice? Well, he draws Jesus' attention to it. I'm going to have a talk with Jesus. Can I tell you something? Before we leave today, every one of us needs to have a talk with Jesus. Now, there's two kinds of talks we can have with Jesus. We can learn from John the Baptist and we can do it well. Or we can listen to our flesh and we can do it wrong. I'm telling you this, we've all had a talk with Jesus before. Not John the Baptist style, Bill Hull style. Hey, Lord, are you kidding me? Lord, this, are, this isn't fair. Lord, I'm doing everything right. Where are you when I need you? God, apparently you don't care. We've all had those kinds of conversations. And yes, John takes off the mask. He doesn't rip it off like a angry umpire he takes off the mask and just gets transparent with jesus says listen i don't get this i don't understand what's going on and then he gets honest and says i'm even having doubts are you really the one i thought you were that's a different conversation than what many of us have some of us have no conversation at all and we just stiff arm god because we're bitter others of us rip off the mask and we shake our fists at God and we throw down on God you're evil you're mean you don't care John just simply got transparent and I hope before you leave today you will as well because you see Jesus said you're gonna go through disappointment you're gonna go through tribulation you're gonna have trials things are gonna get messy you know why because you live on a planet that man messed up with sin this is a sin torn world full of simple people And the wages of sin is what? Why would we expect life? Now, Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. We only find it in him. But if you try to find it in this world, you will be greatly disappointed. 
I surrendered to the ministry in 1986. Kami and I got married. We was, I was going to OBU, and God opened the door for, for, for my first ministry to be a part of the youth ministry of Putnam City Baptist Church at our old location. I got to be a part of an exciting time in the life of PCBC. It was exploding, and it, it, matter of fact, that's why we had to move out here, because we ran out of space where we were. It was incredible what was happening in those days. Then I got to move on to First Baptist Fort Smith, Arkansas, and got to see some amazing things as we reached a community with the gospel. And from there, God opened a door for me to go to another great church in Atlanta, Georgia. And we saw thousands and thousands of people come to know the Lord in Snellville, Georgia, if you can believe God could move in a place like that. Moved back to Fort Smith, Arkansas a second time. Uh, my family growing and young, and we got to serve the Lord, and they were all under my roof, and all was well. And again, glorious, glorious days of ministry, just like John the Baptist. I went back to Fort Smith, Arkansas, so I could be an associate pastor and learn from my mentor how to lead a church and be ready to pastor a church. It was great years being back at that same church again. Then God opened a door for my first pastorate. And how cool is this? This is just like God. The very first church that I would pastor was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That may not mean a whole lot to you, but it meant a great deal to me. You see, I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The very place I was born, a place where my family grew up that had zero impact spiritually. And God would give me the blessing, like John the Baptist, to declare the way of the Lord to a city where I was born, to reach people with the gospel. It was awesome. Watched my family grow up. Watched them all grow old there. And, and then, in 2011, God would call us back to Putnam City Baptist Church. This was a difficult call. There has always been a love because this was my first church I ever served. There are many people still here today that invested in me and Cammie when we were young. And now I was getting to serve back here again. And it was a cool opportunity. And yet it was hard. Because you see, for the first time, we were going to leave two of our children, our two oldest, Houston and Haley, we left them behind in Tulsa, and boy, that rips your heart out when you first experience that. It was a tough move. We got here, we knew God was calling, we knew that's where we needed to be, and yet we went through a season of great excitement and also disappointments. The disappointment was not being at PCBC, the disappointment was living on this planet. So we took that step of faith. We had that struggle emotionally of leaving two children behind. The very next year in 2012, I would have two back-to-back -back within three weeks' times, two serious, serious, radically serious horse accidents. I would uh, need a disectomy after the first one, uh, blew a disc out riding in the saddle, and three weeks later trying to get back in the saddle after surgery, which wasn't the smartest move, but I thought that's what my wife wanted me to do, and so I did it and <laughs> climbed back in the saddle and fell on the neck of the horse, it started sprinting off, I tried to roll out, and long story short, I shattered my tibia plateau, my whole left leg was toast. They had to put in metal plates and all kinds of things to try to reconstruct it. I spent the next six to eight months in a wheelchair, preaching up here in a wheelchair, and the last couple months on crutches. Still to this very day, I still have incredible pain from that particular accident. That very same year, our daughter Hannah was at a volleyball tournament and between matches she was on the sideline having some stiffness in her back and a parent who thought he was an orthopedic doctor and he was not decided to crack her back and literally did cracked her back and she was paralyzed for a moment we got the call and she had to come home and we took her in to see if she had broken her back and we discovered that she would be the second youngest person in the United States diagnosed with a crazy tumor 
in the lowest vertebrae of her spine. It was an internal tumor inside the vertebrae that they couldn't biopsy, and so you didn't know if it was malignant or benign. All you could do is watch it every six months. And we were told that it could turn malignant, which could cause all kinds of problems. At best case scenario, it would probably possibly cripple her for life or keep her in a metal caged spine that would give her limited mobility the rest of her life. So we struggled through that, and we struggled through my recovery. We dealt with those disappointments. We were looking forward to 2013. 2013, Cammie's best friend, her sister, 57 years of age, out of nowhere, got lung cancer, never smoked a cigarette a day of her life, died of lung cancer in 2013 at the age of 57. In 2014, Cammie had been hurting and struggling for two years. We'd been going to doctor after doctor after doctor trying to figure out what was wrong. And finally, in 2014, it got so ugly and so bad, she was diagnosed with early onset Parkinson's. You go through all those things, and one plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one starts to add up to 1,000 or 10,000. And the enemy brings those disappointments our way to try to discourage us, to try to get us to doubt God and our calling. And it's very easy to cave into those things, and it's very easy to want to get bitter, or we can experience the goodness of God. Remember what Adrian Rogers said, don't doubt in the darkness, walk in what God has revealed in the light. So I don't know what your disappointments are. I don't know what difficulties you're going through, but I hope that those difficult things aren't dictating your theology, but they're actually deepening your theology. Let's take a look. Let's go further. Matthew 14 this time. Matthew 14, verse 6. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. So much he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. So she went to her mom and said, what do we ask for? And she said, you give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. She brought the request to the king. And because there were witnesses in the room, he had to honor his oath and his word. And because of a fleshly response, given in to the lust of his flesh, he did something he didn't want to do, but he had John the Baptist killed, beheaded, dead. And he sent word, and John was beheaded there in prison. Is that how you expected the story to end? I mean, John the Baptist, this favored guy who would carry on in the spirit of Elijah, called by God to to bring repentance to a whole nation, who would do what God called him to do. Would you expect the story to end being beheaded with a gruesome death? That's not how it's supposed to end. You do good, God does good. Things go good. And Jesus said, no, know this. In this world... There will be great tribulation. Go back to John 16, again. And remember this, the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy tries to destroy you through disappointment. Why was John the Baptist beheaded? Not because Jesus didn't care and not because Jesus wasn't the chosen promised one. You know why he was beheaded? Because Herod was an evil man. You know why he went through his disappointment? Because a simple man did a simple thing to a good man. And that's going to happen on this planet. And yet Jesus is still above it. Look at verse 33, John 16. Remember what he said. Let's go back to light. This is dark. 
You don't expect the story to end this way. And yet Jesus said, know this. These things I've spoken to you so you could have peace. You want peace? It doesn't come from peaceful happenings on this earth. It comes in the midst of disappointments. He says, notice this. These things I've spoken to you that you may have peace in me. Not in this world, but in Christ. For in this world you are going to have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. John the Baptist wrestled with his disappointments. He got honest. He took off the mask and said, Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, this isn't how I thought it was going to go. Lord, this doesn't seem fair. Lord, it's even creating some doubts because I would think that if I was being obedient, I wouldn't be in this place. At least John the Baptist got real. He didn't put on a mask and act like, well, that's just who God is and, and distance himself from God in that mask. He didn't put on a mask and cover up the bitterness of his experience. He got honest and said, God, I'm struggling. But he continued to trust in the Lord. What are you going to do in your disappointment? Jesus said, take courage. I have overcome the world that disappoints you. And in that, know this, that Jesus, who overcame everything that's ever going to disappoint you, has made you to be more than a conqueror. And I want you to write that down again today. We've done it in the past. Write down this, I am more than a conqueror. And I want you to look at that statement for a minute, and I want you to tell me what that means. What does it mean to be more than a conqueror? Well, let's back it up. What's it mean to be a conqueror? Let's settle that answer first. A conqueror is someone who wins the battle. Throughout human history, nations have fought over people and territories. And those who have conquered at war became king of the world. Or that part of the world. They were conquerors. But can I tell you this? Human history record that every conqueror who's ever lived on this planet has been conquered. To be more than a conqueror means not only do I have victory, just like a conqueror, a conqueror has victory. What's more than victory? To be more than a conqueror means this. I can never be conquered in Christ. That's more than a conqueror. And that's why I have peace. No matter what the years have brought, no matter the disappointments that I experience on this planet, I'm more than a conqueror as long as I stay peace in Jesus. Would you pray with me with every head bowed and every eye closed? There's some here, you don't have peace. The reason you don't have peace is because you don't have Jesus. John the Baptist came not to promote a religion or a new way of living. He came to point people to the one who can give us that peace, peace with God and peace in our hearts. Joining a church, and I pray some will do it in a moment, that isn't what brings a peace. Trying to improve from where you were yesterday, you're good outweighing your bad, that doesn't bring peace. It's a better decision, but it doesn't bring peace. Only Jesus can bring that peace. Just like Nicodemus had to learn, it wasn't more that he needed to know about the Word of God. He needed to know the Word, the living Word, Jesus. He needed to be born a second time. And maybe there's somebody here Maybe there's somebody who's viewing online, and that's your problem. you got plenty of religion like Nicodemus, but you have a dead heart. 
I'm not talking about the blood pumping organ. I'm talking about the heart of your soul. I'm talking about the spirit of you created in the likeness of God that is spiritually dead because of sin. You need to be born again. You say, how do I do that? Nicodemus said the same thing. Lord, how do I do that? I can't go back up and be born. My mother's old. It just doesn't work. He said, I'm not talking about physical birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Just like you needed an earthly father and mother, you must have a spiritual heavenly father. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Bill Hulse, you need to be born again. I was on October 18th, 1981. What about you? Has there been a time where you've been born a second time? A time where you cried out to God, the one who can forgive your sins, the only one. He said, Lord, I need you. Lord, be the prince of peace in my heart. God, forgive me of my sin. You say it's that easy? Oh, it's hard. Because there's somebody wrestling with it right now. It's a wrestling match. It's hard. It isn't easy. But it is that simple. Nicodemus repented of his religion. He placed his faith in Christ. Would you? The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. Do you need to call on his name? Do you need to be saved? Whether you're online or right here, cry out to him and say, Lord, save me. Lord, I'm a sinner. Save me. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.